Open your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth. We only have two chapters left in our study in Song of Solomon. But I've been praying about which book to preach after that. or And I've really had pressed upon me about looking at Old Testament types and pictures of Christ because it's such a great blessing to we who are the people of God. And so tonight may be the first one in many of that. So the name of the message is the Kinsman Redeemer. The Kinsman Redeemer. Christ, our Kinsman Redeemer. We'll read three different portions in Ruth here to start. First of all, we'll be in Ruth chapter 2, verse 20. Then we'll go to Ruth chapter 3, verse 9. And then we'll go to Ruth chapter 4, verse 14 to set the message here. Ruth chapter 2, verse 20. And Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord, who had not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. And Naomi said unto her, this, the, man, the man is near of kin unto us, as one of our next kinsmen. Then Ruth 3, 9. And he said, Who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth, thine hindmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine hindmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. And in Ruth 4.14, And the woman said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which has not left thee this day without a kinsman. Without a kinsman. God's people can say that, can't we? Blessed be the Lord, he hath not left us without a kinsman. And we'll see that, Lord willing, tonight. Blessed be the Lord which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. And oh, whose name is famous in spiritual Israel? Our kinsman, Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. A young minister was told by an elder of a Walsh church that he had preached a very poor sermon because Christ was not in his sermon. To which the young man replied, well, Christ was not in the text. The wise old man said, Christ is in every text, he continued. In every text of Scripture, there is a road which leads to Jesus Christ in him crucified. Your business is to find that road and get on it. Oh, there's so much truth there. The, the preacher is to proclaim and preach Christ and Him crucified. Turn, if you would, to Ruth chapter 1. Ruth chapter 1. All most people know about the book of Ruth is what Ruth has said to Naomi. You ask most folks in religion and they, they will tell you about this portion of Scripture. They don't really understand the aspect of Christ being our kinsman redeemer and the whole, the whole picture of Christ as the kinsman redeemer. But this is a, two very famous verses and they are absolutely beautiful. Ruth chapter 1 verses 16 and 17. But they're one of the, the or two of the most well-known verses in the book of Ruth amongst religious people. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For, for whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. This is an incredible statement by 
by Ruth. Just an absolutely incredible statement. And we know she's saying this by the grace of God. It's God who's made her to differ from, from her, from her sister-in-law. Where thou diest will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me and more, if aught but death part thee and me. And folks who speak of these verses usually come away with some high thoughts of Ruth and, and absolutely no thoughts of Christ. But the real key to the book of Ruth is the term kinsman redeemer. Kinsman redeemer. Uh, turn, if you would, to Ruth chapter 2, verse 20 again. We'll read that again. And Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, Blessed be, the, be he of the Lord, who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. And Naomi said unto her, The man is near of kin unto us, one of our next kin, kinsmen. And then, I won't reread Ruth 3.9, let's read Ruth 3.12. And now it is true that I am thy near kinsman. Howbeit there is a kinsman nearer than I. This is Boaz saying that. And in verse 14 in, in Ruth 4, again I'll read that. And, and the woman said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. The kinsman is the one who has the right to redeem. Turn, if you would, to Leviticus chapter 25. The kinsman is the one who has a right to redeem. Leviticus chapter 25. And in the book of Ruth, we will see that Boaz has a right to redeem. A right to redeem. And Christ... And Boaz pictures Christ, and Christ has a right to redeem, doesn't he? He has a right to redeem. And it was all planned and purposed in the covenant of grace in eternity, beloved. Leviticus 25, verses 25 and 26. If thy brother be waxen poor and hath sold away some of the, his possessions, and if any of his kin come to redeem it, then shall he redeem that which his brother sold. And if a man have none to redeem it, in himself be able to redeem it. So a kinsman is one who has the right to redeem. A man called Abimelech of Bethlehem, Judea, because of a famine in the land, sold all that he had and with his wife and two sons left the land of Israel. Left the land of Israel and moved to Moab, which was a land of pagan worship. A land of pagan worship. Now Abimelech died in Moab. And his two sons married Moabite women. And lived with them ten years and then both sons died. Naomi was now a very poor widow. And she determined to return to Judea to Israel and told her two daughters-in-law to remain in Moab with their people and their gods. And Oprah kissed Naomi and departed. She just left. But Ruth, again, let's look at those two verses again. In Ruth chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. Ruth clave unto her. She clave unto Naomi. And she uttered these blessed words. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. 
For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. Now I pray that we're gleaned from this message that Christ Jesus our Lord is our kinsman redeemer. Our kinsman redeemer. First point I'd like to look at in this book, this wonderful book, is we have a picture of ruin by the fall. Look at verses 19 to 21. So they two went until they came to Bethlehem, and it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them and said, Is this Naomi? Is this Naomi? And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? When Naomi, now old and poor and weary, came to Bethlehem, the people gathered about her and exclaimed, Is this Naomi? Is this Naomi? Is this the same Naomi who left Bethlehem a a few years ago, rich and prosperous? With her family all about her? And she replied, Don't call me Naomi, which is sweet and pleasant in the Hebrew. Call me Mara, which is bitter. It's bitter. Naomi means sweet and pleasant, and Mara means bitter. The Almighty hath dwelt very bitterly with me. She went out full and came back empty. She went out rich and came back poor. She went out sweet and came back bitter. We look at Adam after the fall when he had sinned and and fell, and he was driven out from the presence of God for his transgression. And we say, is this Adam? Is this Adam? Is this the one who walked and talked with God? Are these poor, dying, corrupted creatures, sons of Adam, created in the image of God? Wherefore is by one man sin into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, that all have sinned. We fell in Adam. We fell in Adam. Turn, if you would, to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. And look what the scripture declares. So just like Naomi, we were, Adam was rich and then became poor, didn't he? He fell. He had fellowship with God. He was rich, and he became poor. He became poor. He was full, and he became empty. Romans 3, verses 10 to 19 says this about man. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are altogether become unprofitable. 
There is none that doeth good, no, not one. We are so ruined by the fall. It's so evident in these scriptures. There's none righteous. There's none that understand that God was spiritually blinded and in darkness. Again, none righteous. No, no one in the natural state can approach God. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of an asp is on their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. In the way of peace, have they not known? They have no peace with God. This was our natural state. I can read this and say, that was me. There's no fear of God before their eyes. People don't fear God anymore. Those who have had Christ revealed to them, we fear him with reverence, don't we? But I'll tell you what. One day, those who, who don't fear God now will, will, as I said this morning, cry for the mountains to fall upon them, hide them. They're, they're cry to hide, be hidden from the Lord. But they're nowhere, nowhere to hide from the Lord. Nowhere. Nowhere. Man is so utterly ruined by the fall. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped. And look at this. Look at this statement, beloved. And all the world may become guilty before God. There's not one person on the top side of this earth who is not guilty before God. There's a lot of people who think they're not guilty before God, but they are. And we who are redeemed know, know that we were in the same position, weren't we? Dead in trespasses and sins. But praise God, we're born again by the Holy Spirit of God. We were purchased at Calvary's cross by the precious blood of Christ. We didn't know it, did we? No. That's why we can see ourselves in this, this, this portion here. We can see that this was our natural state. But oh, what a change. What a change God wrots. The second point I'd like us to look at is the unmerited, unsought love of Christ for sinners. Let's turn to Ruth chapter 2, verses 1 to 5 and verse 16. The unsought, unmerited, unsought love of Christ for sinners. Ruth chapter 2, verses 1 to 6 and in verse 16. And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband a mighty man of wealth of the family of Abimelech, and his name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. Now note there, in whose sight I shall find grace. If you're one of God's blood-bought children, and you're born again by the Holy Spirit of God, you have found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And, it, and it, it's not merited. We don't seek it because 
Because the scripture said there's none that seeketh after God, right? We don't deserve it. If we got what we deserve, we'd be in hell. But we don't deserve this grace, this mercy. We don't, not at all. My, we found grace in God's sight. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And her hap was light on the part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was of the kindred, kindred of Abimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto his servant, who was set over the reaper, Whose damsel is this? Oh, his eyes. His eyes are upon her. The kinsman redeemer's eyes are upon her. Whose damsel is this? Oh, my beloved. And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, It is the Moabite's damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And then look at verse 16. Look at verse 16. Uh, let's, let's go to verse 15 here first. And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded. Now remember, his eyes, his eyes had fell upon her. His eyes had fell upon her. And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young man, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and reproach her not. And let, also, and let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her. Now just, just put, some, put some handfuls down of purpose for her. Just just put it down for her. Now this is the kinsman saying this. And let also some of the handfuls of purpose and let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her and leave them that she may glean them and rebuke her not. Oh my. Beloved, this world belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. It is his by design, it is his by decree, and it is his by creation. Colossians says this, for by him were all things created. That, that includes everything. Things visible and invisible. All things that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. He owns everything. Now, Boaz owned this field, didn't he? He owned this field. And Christ Jesus, our Lord, made all things, and by him all things consist. Every one of the, us in this room, we consist and we breathe because God allows us to do so. John 3.35 says, The Father loveth the Son, and hath given all things into his hands. Now turn, if you would, to John 17. John 17. And look at these marvelous words. John 17, verses 1 to 3. Just as Boaz owned that field, and he could say, Just leave handfuls of purpose. The Lord owns everything. He owns everything. And he can, he can give handfuls of purpose to anyone he pleases. Anyone he pleases. 
Oh my. Is not, is not the grace of God given to us a handful on purpose? Is not redemption in Christ for God's people a handful on purpose? Is not regeneration by the Holy Spirit of God a handful on purpose? It's so, isn't it? It's all by God's grace, isn't it? And, and the only reason that they were leaving the handfuls on purpose was because Boaz said, it, it, it's to be so. The only reason we're saved is because God said, it's to be so. Oh my, what a picture of grace we see here before us. Look at John 17, verses 1 to 3. These words spake Jesus, and lifted up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him, what? Power over all flesh. The Lord Jesus Christ has all power, beloved, whether people believe it or not. He has all power. This world is his, and he can do whatever he pleases with it and with all who are in it. And so think of that in light of your salvation. He chose me. He saved me. He gave me these handfuls on purpose. It never gets old, does it? It never gets old. It's wondrous. It's absolutely wondrous. He has all power. As thou hast given him power over all flesh. Look at this. Now, now, if this is not a death blow to decisionalism, where people say, bow your head and you're, God's waiting to save you, but, but he's done all he can, now the rest is up to you. If this is not a death blow to that, look at this. That he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Eternal life is a gift from God. And it's given to us. It's given to us by God, beloved. And Christ has the power to give it to whomever he pleases. And he gives it to to those who the Father gave him in eternity. And the believer says, I'm one of those number. I'm one of them. And this is life eternal. Now note that. God, who is eternal, gives eternal life. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Beloved, we live and glean in his field. In his field. We live and glean in his field. His vineyard. This world. The Lord Jesus Christ in grace and love has taken notice of some of, some of Adam's race. Just as, just as Ruth caught Boaz's eye, the Lord had taken notice. And he's done it from eternity. He's done it from eternity. He's taken notice of some of Adam's fallen race. He knew us, though we knew him not. He loved us, though we did not love him. And by his handfuls on purpose, we have lived and prospered right until this day. And we will live and prosper until he takes us home where we will see him face to face. And he keeps us going, doesn't he? Well, we're on this earth with handfuls on purpose, beloved. 
My goodness. It's wonderful. God takes care of His own. Even in the days of unbelief, He watched over us. Even in the days of our unbelief, this is wondrous grace. He watches over His sheep even before we're saved. Like a good shepherd. Like a good shepherd. The third point I'd like us to look at is the kinsman redeemer. Look at Ruth chapter 2 verses 18 to 20. The kinsman redeemer. And she took it up and went into the city. And her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She took, she took all that she had gleaned, the handful on purpose. She took, she took that. And her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. And, and she brought forth and, and gave to her that she had reserved after she was suffered. And her mother-in-law said unto her, Where hast thou gleaned today? And, and where wellest thou? Blessed be he that, that did take knowledge of thee. She knows someone must have noticed her. And she showed her mother-in-law with whom she had wrought and said, the man's name with whom I wrought today is Boaz. And Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord, who hath not left off his kindness to the living. You and I who are redeemed, think of this. The Lord hath not left off His kindness to us, has He? What mercy and grace He's showing us in Christ. What mercy and grace He's showing us in Christ. To the living and to the dead. And Naomi said unto her, A man is near of kin unto us, one of our next kinsmen. Ruth returned home with a generous supply of grain. And Naomi took note of her abundance. Took note of her abundance and asked Ruth where she gleaned and who was so generous with her. And when Naomi heard that Ruth's benefactor was Boaz, she exclaimed, Blessed be he of the Lord who hath not left off his kindness. His kindness. Boaz is the one who has the right to redeem, beloved. Boaz is the one who has the right to redeem. He's a near kinsman. He's the kinsman redeemer. If one has sold his inheritance again and and has a near kinsman who is able and willing to stand for him and buy back all that he lost, it shall be done. Think of that in light of what Christ has done for us. We're bankrupt. Bankrupt mercy beggars, aren't we? Who paid the price for us, beloved? Christ. He paid all that was demanded. All of it. Christ Jesus, by God's covenant mercy and divine grace, is our kinsman, beloved, for he became a man. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he, he was bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh. Scripture declares, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Our kinsman redeemer is a man, but yet God. 
He's bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh, beloved. Galatians chapter 4 says this, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law. He was on a mission, wasn't he? Our kinsman redeemer was on a mission. He must purchase us. He must redeem us. He must. To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. The believer cries, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then then an heir of God through Christ. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7. Christ willingly became a man. The Word willingly became a man. The man Christ Jesus. And he took upon himself flesh to redeem his people that were lost in Adam. And he's able to do so because though a man, he is strong and he is the strong and mighty God. He's fully God in fully man. Turn, if you would, to Second Timothy. And then put your finger in Jude. Second Timothy in Jude. And I'll read you Hebrews 7.25, which says, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for him. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word. Our kinsman redeemer. 2 Timothy 1.12 For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. Who do we believe upon? Our Redeemer. Our Redeemer. The one who purchased this bankrupt sinner. And every believer can say that. I was bankrupt. I desperately needed Christ. I know whom I have believed. Do you know who you believe? Do you believe in yourself? Or do you believe upon Christ? Christ is the only Savior. Trusting in your own works or in yourself will only lead to your eternal doom. But the one who trusts in Christ shall never perish because he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I committed unto him against that day. What do we commit to him? Our eternal souls. Our eternal souls, beloved. And the scripture there declares he's able. And, and why is he able? Remember John 17? He's got all power. He's got all power, beloved. We lack the power and the ability to save ourselves. But the one who saves us has all power and all ability, beloved. Oh, what a savior. What a redeemer. And in Jude, look at verses 24 and 25. It's wondrous. Again, he has all power. He has all ability to save his people from their sins. He did at Calvary's cross. And he reveals himself to us. The Holy Spirit reveals Christ to us. Look at this. Now unto him that is able. Again, Christ is able. What's he able to do? 
to keep you from falling. Praise God if you're one of his people. We're not able to keep ourselves from falling, are we? We're not. Spurgeon said one time, if, if we were left to ourselves, he said, going from my bed to my kitchen table, I sin enough to damn a thousand souls. We sin and we don't even know it. And how much sin does it, does, does it take for someone to be damned to hell? Just one. Just one. So we'd fall so much in one day, it would be incredible. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. To keep you from falling. Remember in First Peter we saw this morning, we're kept by the power of God. We're kept by his power. And the same power that, that raised Christ from the grave is the same power that's exercised when we're born again. And let me tell you, it's the same power that keeps us beloved. It's the same power. It's the power of God. It's the power of God. You see how opposite it is of what religion says when they say you can, you can come to God on your own, you can keep yourself, you can lose, lose it. And then, No, you can't. Because He's able to keep me from falling. Him. He is able. And if Christ is your Redeemer, He's able to keep you. He saved us, didn't He? And, and if He saved us, He's going to keep us. It's wonderful. And look at this. And it presents you faultless. All we are is sin. Every, there's, there's, not, there's not one thought. Not one nothing. The scripture says from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet. Everything we do is tainted with sin, isn't it? But yet, look at this marvelous verse. It says, and to present you faultless. Where is he going to present us faultless? Before the presence of his glory. Why? All because of what he's done. All because he who is our kinsman redeemer has redeemed us, beloved. Has purchased our eternal souls. Those whom he's redeemed, he keeps, beloved. And then he presents us faultless. Think of our dear brothers and sisters who have went, went to be with the Lord. They're faultless in his presence. All because of the righteousness of Christ and what Christ has done. And look, it says he does it with exceeding joy. Oh my. It brings him joy to present we whom he has redeemed. To present us faultless before the presence of his glory. It brings him exceeding joy. And then look to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. I, we can see why he closed that way. <laughs> the only wise God, oh, our Savior. All glory goes to him. He has all majesty and dominion and all power. All power. And look at that. Both now and ever. It's unchanging. You know why? Because God doesn't change. Right? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. beloved. So if our salvation is in Him, we are so secure, beloved. We're, we're, we're kept by the One who never changes. Who never changes. Oh, what wondrous salvation this is.
By his perfect obedience, he has given us righteousness before the law. By Christ's perfect obedience in his life, he's given us righteousness before the law. And by his death, he satisfied divine justice. All the demands for our sins have been paid for, enabling God to be both just and justifier of all who believe, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation. Christ is set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness, his righteousness, all the righteousness of God for the remission of sins that are passed to the forbearance of God to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, again, the righteousness of Christ. Oh my, that he might be just and justifier of him which believeth on Jesus. Oh my. So God's law is satisfied. He, he, he's, he's just, right? His law is satisfied, so he's a just God. And Christ is our redeemer. God is the justifier of his people. It's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. My, that's Romans 3, 25 and 26. The fourth and last point I'd like us to look at is humility, acceptance, and redemption. Let's read Ruth 3, 1 to 7. Humility, acceptance, and redemption. Ruth 3, 1 to 7. And then Naomi, her mother, then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it be well with thee? And now is not Boaz of our kindred, in whose maidens thou wast. Behold, he winnoweth barley tonight in the threshing floor. Wash thyself therefore, and anoint thee, and put thy raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the floor, but make not thyself known unto the man, until he shall have done eating and drinking. And it shall be, when he lieth down, that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie, and thou shalt go in, and uncover his feet, and lay thee down, and he will tell thee what thou shalt do. And she said unto her, All that thou sayest to me, I will do. And she went down unto the floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. And when Boaz had eaten and, and drunk, his heart was merry. He went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn, and she came softly and uncovered his feet and laid her down. Look at how Ruth humbled herself at the feet of Boaz. She humbled herself at the feet of Boaz. She sought his mercy, beloved. She sought his mercy. And this is how we are, as we lie at the feet of Christ. He owes us nothing, beloved. He owes us nothing. But yet he has mercy upon his people. Again, we are mercy beggars, aren't we? Are you a mercy beggar? Has God shown you that you're a mercy beggar? My. We are mercy beggars. We read in verses 10 and 11 how Boaz accepted her. He already loved her, beloved. He already loved her. Even as we are accepted in the beloved. Upon evidence of humility and faith. Because Christ has loved us with an everlasting love. And he gives... He grants faith and repentance to those 
whom he's loved from eternity. Those whom he purchased. Those whom he redeemed. My. And he's loved us with an everlasting love. His eyes have been upon us from eternity. Look at Ruth chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. And he said, Blessed be thou of the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast showed much showed more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, insomuch as thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich. She, she wasn't going out and seeking someone who was, who was more wealthy. or No. No. And now, my daughter, fear not. I will do to thee all that thou requires. For all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. Has not the Lord done for us? For us, all that is required? Has he not done for us all that is required? Our sin debt had to be paid. It, it must be paid. Right? And the scripture says, the soul that sinneth, it, it must die. Well, Christ is the great substitute. Having our sins imputed to him, dies upon the cross. Pays and satisfies, again, God's Law and justice. Doing for us that which is required. Doing for us that which we could never do. All that thou requirest. He's done for us. He's done for us. Let's turn here to Ruth chapter 4 verses 13 and 17. And we read how Boaz married Ruth. And and all of his wealth in his name became hers. And, and what have we seen in the Song of Solomon? Oh, my, my. We've seen such a picture of the bride and the bridegroom. Boaz married Ruth, and all of his wealth and name became hers, even as we are married to Christ and joint heirs with him, because we are his and we wear his name. Look at verses 13 to 17 in Ruth chapter 4. So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife, and when he went in unto her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. And the woman said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. Now, whose name, again, is famous in spiritual Israel? Our kinsman, our kinsman redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. His name is famous amongst his bride, isn't it? Oh, my. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life. Who's restored us? We were dead in trespasses and sins, weren't we? Spiritually dead, but physically alive. Who's given us life, beloved? Who's given us life? Our great kinsman redeemer. And he's given us eternal life too, hasn't he? It's wondrous. It's wondrous. She was bankrupt and a mercy beggar. And he's restored her. Look at this. And the nourisher of thine old age, who keeps us and watches over us? The Lord Jesus Christ, our kinsman redeemer. For thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons hath borne him. And Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom and became nurse unto it. Now remember, Ruth is a Moabitess lady, isn't she? She's a Moabitess woman. And Look at what it says here. And the woman, her neighbors gave it a name, saying, 
there is a son born to Naomi, and they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Oh, my. Oh, my. The pagan girl became the wife of Boaz, the great-grandmother of King David, and stood in the lineage of Christ. And beloved, it's all by grace. It's all by grace. What a picture of our kinsman redeemer and how salvation is all of grace, beloved. In Christ Jesus our Lord, may God be glorified by the preaching of his word.